You're listening to the Branches HB Podcast. All right. Good morning to all of you. Welcome in. So glad you're here. Uh, I do want to reiterate, please drop by the giving tree in the foyer or whatever you would call that space right through the corner there. Don't miss it. Uh, Every year, this is a tradition for us at Branches. And every year, you guys do not fail to take every single one of those tags and bless our ministry partners like crazy. And I want to remind you, this is who you are as the Branches community. You guys are radically generous. I mean, you just think back a few weeks, uh, maybe a couple months here. When on one Sunday, we raised enough money to build a boys' and girls' dormitory, a multi-purpose space for 300 orphans in Kenya in one weekend. We raised that in this community. It's because of the radical generosity. Yeah, we can praise God for that. I want to let you guys know that we gave this like little like mini preview of this ministry that we were going to launch in the new year. We're still launching in the new year called Foster the City. And I said, you know, in this three-minute, four-minute announcement, hey, you know, it's coming, but there's an informational meeting if some of you want to get there early. And it turns out two families from our church committed to be foster parents at that meeting, three families to support the families that foster in our community. Can we praise God for that? I mean, it's like, that was a preview. It didn't even start yet. You know, I'm sure we're going to have more people step up and say they're going to foster kids in this community when we actually launch the thing in the new year, but it's just the preview meeting. And people step up and respond. And I want you to know, people are being cared for through your gifts and offerings, too. I mean, you guys are very generous. And and we take in requests from people that are struggling in this season. We've got a brother who's been visiting this community who was going to be evicted. You know, the COVID eviction moratorium, it's up. So we've got somebody who's going to be evicted this month in November, December. And so we're able to pay that individual's rent to help them get back on their feet. That only happens because of your guys' generosity. So I just want to encourage you all the more. Let's go out there. Uh, We can't handle this alone. This is something we can all tackle together. Everybody grab a tag and let's bless these ministry partners that are doing such great work. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a little bit under the weather this morning. Why? Because it's the holiday season. Whoop-de-doop, I'm sick. Yeah, that's great. Uh, And I'm sure some of you are experiencing that as well as we move through this season. Don't worry. I took two tests. I don't have the unmentionable, all right? I don't have a new variant from South Africa or anything, but you still may want to distance yourself from me. But yeah, guys, I I had to be here. I wasn't going to subject you to like a 2005 greatest hit from Francis Chan on the screens or something last minute, you know? It sounds great, but I wasn't going to do that to you because we're starting a brand new series, this Advent series. This is another tradition for us here at Branches, as it has been a tradition for the church at large for hundreds of years, to take a a period of time, four weeks, to really consider uh, the Advent of Jesus. Advent simply means arrival. We're considering the first arrival of Jesus in this world, which is commemorated on Christmas, and also looking forward to his impending return. Now, each year as we enter into this season, we pick a word or a phrase that sort of represents the theme, the, the lens through which we're going to be looking at our scriptural study. Of course, I want to remind you that we're going through this series, pausing Matthew for a few weeks. 
we're always going to be in the scriptures. There's a substantial amount of scripture that we're going to be reading today because we just want God's word to lead us and guide us through his Holy Spirit. But we've got this word, this theme of, of scent. And scent really implies uh, a mission, a focus, an intention, a motive. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent, he sent his one and only son that we might live through him. Jesus arrived into this world as one sent by God with a purpose. So we're going to be exploring that purpose and the setting of it for these four weeks culminating in our Christmas celebration together. And today we're talking about the setting of suffering because that's what Jesus was sent into. And along those lines, I'm reminded that I'm not the only one sick in my family right now. My eight-month-old bishop, he's got hand-foot-mouth disease, which, yeah, sounds medieval. I don't even know what this thing is. We didn't have it in Arizona that I can remember, but all my kids have had it out here. And so that's why he hasn't been sleeping well. We haven't been sleeping well for six, seven days. Probably why I got cold, a cold myself. But I remember that also kind of takes me back to a story you guys, some of you know, when I got hand-foot-mouth disease as an adult. I didn't think that could happen. It only happens to 0.01% of the population or something, but I was on a vacation to Hawaii and all these sores started building up. I had sores on my sores, on my hands and my feet. I was miserable, miserable until the doctor gave me that shot in the rear. And then I was happy as a clam down at the beach, looking like the troll that just came out from under the bridge. You know, people did not want to get near me. I was very unclean. But you know, thinking about sickness, sickness is one of those displays of our human limitations, our human weakness, our vulnerability as people. And that was part of what Jesus stepped into when he stepped into the world, when he was sent by God into the world. That's why through the study of the book of Matthew, you see all these folks coming to Jesus all the time that are sick, that are oppressed spiritually, because that's part of our condition. That's part of the infirmity of being a human being. But it's only even just part of the kind of suffering that Jesus would encounter when he was sent into the world. Let's look at this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 53 that's really going to describe the setting of suffering in Jesus' ministry quite well. And I know this is great, this is great Thanksgiving holiday weekend message here, uh, jumping into this. But this is the reality. This is the reality of the Christmas story. This is our reality, really, as we get into it. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. One of the ushers will pass one to you if you want this in front of you as we go through this study today. We're going to be referencing Isaiah 53 multiple times, but the verses are also going to be on the screens, and it looks like you're all okay with that. Okay, no Bibles. Isaiah 53, let's read this together. This prophecy of Jesus being sent into the world, the nature of his ministry. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. This is describing Jesus and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. When we consider this prophecy of Jesus and his arrival in the world and God's purpose in sending him, we see that his ministry, that his arrival was beset with suffering. Four times that word is used to describe the nature of Jesus' mission in the world. Just here alone in this passage, verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Verse 4, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Verse 10, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer And finally, in reflecting on his ministry, verse 11, after he has suffered, meaning like his whole earthly ministry, that's how you could summarize it. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Jesus was sent into suffering. The suffering was so acute, he was characterized as a man of suffering. That's how acute it was. Now, I got to be honest with you. Starting an Advent series in this holiday season on Thanksgiving you know, weekend, talking about suffering, it brings me a little bit of trepidation. Because you know, it's not natural for us as Americans to want to delve into a topic like this. We like to avoid all unpleasantness. You know, I'm like leading a funeral procession through your wedding you know, experience, your wedding feast right now. Especially this year when people seem to be a little bit more uppity than usual. I mean, there's so many lights in my neighborhood. It's like the first time people have participated. I'm feeling a little bit shamed right now that my lights aren't up. There's so many lights. I've never seen this before. I think people are fighting a little bit harder than ever for some joy. So I hate to, you know, rain on your Thanksgiving Day parade. But there's a reality in this that we have to deal with because I think there are some Christians that really believe that our Christian faith is all about being uppity and ecstatic all the time. And that our faith is a means of escaping out of thinking about our troubles at all. But that wasn't the demeanor of God. That wasn't the mode of Jesus. That wasn't the nature of his ministry. That's not the real reality of our lives. Okay, this wasn't something that Jesus avoided. He didn't try to escape out from suffering. He brought victory. I'm not going to hold back from that. He brought eternal victory, but he brought it by entering into and moving through the suffering of this world. I got a silly question for you this morning. Have you suffered? Have you suffered before? Because when I look at your social media, I don't see it. You're confusing me. 
But it is a silly question because we can all just sort of assume that we've suffered. Well, what is suffering? First of all, that word in Isaiah 53, it could simply be translated as pain, grief, sorrow. Pain, grief, and sorrow are all common to the human condition, physically, mentally, emotionally. In fact, a great deal, I think, of our human activity, even success, comes out of this desire to either insulate ourselves or treat ourselves in the midst of a lot of the pain and grief that many of us feel. It's so pervasive, too, pain, grief, and sorrow. You know, you can be having chronic physical pain that brings you emotional anguish. You can be feeling mental pain in such a way that it manifests itself physically. And it's a magnet for us in our present experience. There are things that can have happened to us way in the past, decades in the past, pains and griefs and sorrows that we live with today that still hurt us today. There's things in the future that haven't even happened that may never happen, likely won't happen, but we can pull them forward into the present and they cause us grief and sorrow even today. I've spoken extensively about my own suffering. I'm not your uppity, gym rat, clean eating, perfect tan and teeth, great skincare routine, never suffered pastor, all right? I'm just not that guy. Okay, I really could use some advice on your skincare routine. If you get up close, you'll know why. Okay, but that's not going to keep me from suffering. I've told you guys that I felt very alone in my childhood, and that really produced for me a natural depressive and melancholic personality. And that was something that I struggled with in my mind, in my heart. But then in my 20s, I mean, those are supposed to be the best years of your life. You're at your peak physical condition. I dealt with chronic pain all through my 20s because of the stress that I was experiencing. Because I felt lots of guilt. I felt lots of senses of responsibility as I've watched much of my generation depart from the church, just overall decline in my generation. I I feel guilt over that. As a pastor, I feel a sense of responsibility regarding that. You know, I look back and I regret the fact that I didn't focus on some of the most important relationships in my life because I let the work of the ministry take over my focus. And just like you, just like everybody else in this world, I've had patterns of sin in my life that have carved canyons in my heart. I have sort of that same great American ghost haunting me. Some of you guys have this of never feeling good enough. Certainly that came out during COVID. I'm preaching into a camera and I'm getting a message here or there. You should be a little bit less this. You should be a little bit more of that. And I go, well, what can I say? The the most widely shared piece of correspondence and communication that had my name associated with it, in it I was called a divider of the kingdom of God. I'm sure you want to read it, but we don't have time for that right now. (laughs) Guys, I've suffered. I've gone through pain and grief and sorrow, and it's not just me. It's you too. It's not the same experience as me. But the ultimate feelings, the universal feelings of sorrow and grief and pain... That is common to all of us, whether we've suppressed it or felt it, whether we've processed it or we haven't, and God can relate. That's the point of this. God can relate. Jesus was our man, if that's our experience, because he was a man of suffering. Think of the Christmas story in John's telling in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's the the Christmas story in John's telling. And it's really quite a sad experience if you think about it. 
Think of the descent of Jesus from heaven into the world. Think about he's limitless and he's born into human limitations. Verse 2 in Isaiah 53, he became like a tender shoot from dry ground. He went from perfection to that. He went from the setting of holiness and moral purity to corruption and evil. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away, so says verse 8. He went from glory, honor, praise to total obscurity. Verse 3, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Jesus was sent into suffering when God made his dwelling among us. Think about the nature of his life. You know, the Jewish population to which Jesus was born had been subject to hundreds of years of different overlords. They kept changing hands as a nation and they won their freedom for short periods of time, but they lost it all over again because of, surprise, surprise, bad politics. Now, that's universal throughout all time, isn't it? The puppet government in power at the time of Jesus' birth, you know, led by Herod the Great, when they heard that the king of the Jews had been born in Bethlehem, they created a genocide of that town, Jesus' generation. The times in general were filled with political conspiracy and intrigue, violent nationalism, and rumors that the end of the world had finally come. And the main institutions of the pure Jewish religion, they had either turned to cold tradition or they had sold their soul for the sake of wealth and power. And growing up in rural Galilee, Jesus, a Jew himself, he had a front row seat to watch all these chaotic influences swirling around him. The world was a mess of suffering. And guess what? I could change the specific names of the places and the people and exchange them for names of places and people today. And we say, that's the exact same setting of our world today. He was constantly harassed by the religious powers that be. Among the general masses, the benefits of his healing, they were lauded and accepted. But at the same time, the greater spiritual truths he was trying to communicate were constantly misunderstood. Even his closest followers, his closest friends that had experienced so much with him, they seemed to reveal over and over again that they didn't quite know what he was really on about. And when he was facing his hardest human task, he wasn't just deserted by many of those individuals, but he was opposed by them. He worked without rest. He was taunted by the devil. He had no place to call home as he traveled on the road. He was mocked by his family, and he felt forsaken by God when he died a criminal's death on the cross. Reflecting on the totality of his pain, it makes the statement here in Isaiah 53, verse 10, all the more poignant. It was the Lord's will to crush him and make him suffer. It was the Lord's will. This is what he sent Jesus to experience. He caused all this pain. This was the point of the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Jesus' life was supposed to be this messed up. And verse 5 tells us why. He would take up our pain and he would bear our suffering he would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. See, all the pain of this world is the consequence of sin. It's the consequence of a world in rebellion against God, of which we share 
in the responsibility. And God sent Jesus who knew no sin, who knew no rebellion, who knew no wrongdoing in his life into a world of suffering to take on all of sin's consequences upon himself to remove them from us that we might be reunited with God, restored to him and might have the promise at his return of suffering nevermore. Framed this way, the Christmas story really reminds me of the parable of the Good Samaritan. When we think about the story this way, it reminds me of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Many of you know it, that a man is robbed when he's traveling on the road and he's wounded and he's left for dead. And you've got these two individuals, a priest and a Levite, who see the individual first. You can think of this like a modern-day pastor or a televangelist or a best-selling Christian author sees the person on the side of the road wounded, left for dead. And for their own reasons, you know, maybe they've got some personal obligations, some religious obligations that they've got to get to. Uh, whatever happens, those are greater than their sympathy and care for the individual that's dying on the side of the road. But then you have the Samaritan, right, who comes and sees the person on the side of the road. And it says they're moved. They felt something. They were brought to that person. A lot of our English translations translate that feeling as compassion, which in English means to, to suffer for, to suffer with, to suffer together. And they stepped into the situation. They bandage up the wounds. They put medicine on the wounds. They put them on the donkey. They walk them all the way to the end. And then they say, you know what? No matter what the debt is, no matter what it costs to get this person better, I will pay that debt. I'll settle the debt. This is the Christmas story. This is the Christmas story. You know, God didn't see the world. He didn't see us in our consequences of our sin and the ways that we've been hurt by the sins of others, the sins of this world, and he walked by on the other side. That's not what happened. God sent Jesus into the circumstances. He felt something. He was moved. He had sympathy, compassion. He suffered with us, and he suffered for us. And he took that suffering upon himself that we wouldn't have to bear it into eternity. He says, I'm returning, all the debts will be settled and you'll feel pain never more. Brothers and sisters, we have a Lord. The scriptures call him a high priest, someone who represents us before God. We have a high priest. We have a Lord in Jesus who can sympathize with our weaknesses, our grief, our sorrow, and our pain because he has felt all those feelings. Have you ever been misunderstood? Jesus has felt that he's been misunderstood. Have you ever been mistreated? Jesus has felt that. He has been mistreated. Have you ever felt pressure on your shoulders, in your heart, to accomplish something that you don't feel you can accomplish? Jesus has felt that very acutely. Have you ever gone through loss? Have you ever been spoken of in a negative way when you weren't living in a negative way. You know, it was, it was accusations and rumors about you. Jesus has experienced that. Have you been demeaned? Have you been rejected? Have you been sorrowful? Have you felt chronic pain? Have you been alone? Jesus has felt all those things. You know, I think some of you, if we're honest with each other, you have a very bland prayer life because you don't take any of your real lived human experience to God. Because, oh, he can't relate to you. He's just God. He's off on a cloud. He's removed. Jesus, it says in the book of Hebrews, is one who is tested and tried and went through it all in every way so he is able 
to feel what we feel. He has entered into our experience. Jesus was a man of our suffering. So I want to remind you that the Christmas season is not an opportunity to escape out of the pain or grief or sorrow that we feel. It's a reminder that Jesus has entered into and is moving us through that pain and sorrow and grief into a place of victory. So bring it to him. So bring that to him. And I want to challenge some of you this morning to do that very thing, to be honest about where you are in your pain and in your grief and in your sorrow that you could be ministered to in this community. Because we're not going to be that community. I'm saying it right now. I'm declaring it over this community. The Branches community is not going to be a church that walks on the other side of the road that goes around the difficulties and the sorrows and the suffering of other people. We're going to tend to the people that are hurting. That's what this community is going to be. It's going to reflect the love of Christ that we see in the Christmas story that we see in the very gospel itself. So give us, your brothers and sisters, an opportunity to not go on the other side of the road, but to tend to you this morning. So I want to challenge you, if you're in that place of pain, grief, sorrow, suffering, for any reason at all, would you stand? Would you stand this morning? I've been open and honest with you. I haven't held back from you the things that I've been through. There's no reason you have to hold back anything from your seat, from your place. Thank you. Thank you. So many lies in this world about carrying the burdens that we carry, we have to carry them alone. Hmm. Jesus didn't leave us alone. He entered into that suffering. He entered into that pain. He invited your brothers and sisters to do the same. So if you're in that place of pain, sorrow, suffering, it's not for you to keep to yourself. You're not supposed to be the person ministering all the time. You're, you can be ministered to as well. It's common to all of us. So is anyone else in that place? Pain, suffering, Sorrow, grief. Thank you. What I want us to do is to see those who are standing around us and to surround them I'm actually inviting you to get up out of your seats to look to see and to make sure that those who have stood, and if you've stood, can you raise your hand because other people are going to be standing now. We're not going to know who stood. But if you could raise your hand up, especially if no one's around you right now, we want to make sure everybody has some folks around them. And maybe you've never done anything like this before in a church service, but I just want to normalize this, that church is not just this routine where you just listen to music, you listen to a message, we move on. God's people have been gathered together this morning for the purpose of ministering to each other. So this is what God wants us to do, this very thing. So those who stood or those who are standing... They can share with you. They can say, okay, this is the grief I have. This is the sorrow I have. Or they can say, you know what, I don't want to get into it. I just need some prayer. I just need some blessing and support from my brothers and sisters. 
but I want to invite them to be able to share with you right now, okay, this is a grief, this is a sorrow I'm carrying, or just pray for me. And for those of us who are around them, maybe you're uncomfortable praying out loud, but don't be because it's not about your words, having the right words. Just trust that the Lord is going to give you words to bless. It could be the simplest of prayers, few words, whatever the Lord leads you to say. Let's begin to pray out loud and bless those who are standing. Let's stand with them. just want to encourage you, if you're praying, just continue praying even as I pray. Um, even as we enter into this time of worship, if you feel you haven't had a chance to pray for somebody who stood and the Lord just wants to speak something to them, feel free to just keep praying for them even as we return to a time of worship. But let me pray a blessing over those who stood. Lord Jesus, we're praying for the physical and the, and the healing of the emotions, the heart and the mind. For everyone in this space, Lord, even for those who didn't stand, who are carrying those sorrows and their, those griefs in, in their hearts, just them before you, Lord, I pray for healing. And even so, Lord, I pray for the hope, the faith that we have in you, Jesus, for the day you return, the day we go to be with you where there will be suffering and pain no more. The scriptures tell us that this momentary and light suffering is what we experience in this world compared to the glory about to be revealed to us. Lord, it doesn't feel light. It doesn't feel momentary right now in this world, but that's what it becomes when we think about your kingdom in eternity. So Lord, we know that we can't just derive our joy from our circumstances here. You went through suffering. We're gonna go through suffering, but Lord Jesus, we're gonna do it in the strength that you provide by your Holy Spirit. That's where we can have joy even intermingled with our challenges because we have your Holy Spirit. We have our faith. We have our hope in you. We're looking forward to the kingdom come. So Jesus, would you just bless everybody who stood in here, everybody who's in a place of pain or grief or sorrow, most of all with your Holy Spirit because that's where the hope comes from. That's where the comfort comes from. That's where the joy is found. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, if you want to keep praying for those individuals, feel free to do so. If you want to return to your seats, we're going to enter into a time of worship and response. And, and this is a response for all of us. It's not just those of us who need comfort. If we're comforted, God is calling us to do the very thing that he did, to enter into the suffering, the pain of another, to do the work that he did. So let's just adopt that and let's thank the Lord for all that he endured for our sake as we worship and praise him together this morning. Thanks so much for listening to the Branches HB podcast. For more information on Branches, you can visit our website at brancheshb.com or stay up to date with us on Instagram at brancheshb. As always, we'd love to have you at one of our Sunday gatherings. So come visit us at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Locations are available on our website. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.